Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This podcast on 97.3 The Fan is presented by Hummel Casino. Fun above all else. Ladies and gentlemen, the weekend. Coming up on a Friday, Friday. <laughs> Save that. Save that. Two hours this week. It is Friday. It's Ben and Paul. Good afternoon, everybody. Wait, it's still the morning, isn't it? Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Tier ones out there. Uh, Woodsy is. He usually comes back in this segment. So I don't know how does he usually do it in this eight o'clock segment. Paul kind of brings us back uh, in halfway home. Halfway home on a Friday. Yeah. Going until ten o'clock. Tier ones. Thanks for tuning in this morning. I see everybody still on our YouTube stream. You can catch us on Twitch. Uh, of course, on the Odyssey app as well, and live on your radios on 97.3 The Fan every weekday morning from 6 to 10 a.m. here on 97.3 The Fan. Our thanks again to Craig Elston, who just joined us. He made, I thought, the interesting point. I, I forget exactly how he phrased it, but he's a loyal fan, San Diego loyal. Mm-hmm. And they are now, they will have their final regular season game in Las Vegas this weekend. Tomorrow. And they are definitely in the playoffs. They're hosting a playoff game here in a couple of weeks. But you now know that if you lose, it's not just your season is over. Your franchise is over when you lose. And it's like the ultimate pressure in sports, it feels like. Now, what would really be pressure is, but if you win the championship, you save the franchise and they get to come back next season. But if you lose, you have to fold and everyone goes home. It's one of the reasons I think the movie Major League is is so good because they put the stakes up. It's not just they're coming back, a you know, sad sack baseball team, but the team moves from Cleveland to Miami, essentially, if they don't do well and they end up saving the team in Cleveland as well. I think it's part of the stakes that they raise in that movie. Well, they've got those stakes right now for the San Diego Loyal. It's like, all right, well, this is our last chance to win a championship for San Diego, for our fans who have been so good for these few years that we've been around. You can tell that like, it would be the perfect storybook ending. I mean, if you have to go away, the way you'd want to do it is to win a championship in your last game. I mean, go off After into the sunset. After this season, you'll be sent back to the minors <laughs> or given your outright release. Well, then I guess there's only one thing left to do. I hope you beat this. What's that? <laughs> Me too. Win the whole <laughs> thing. Yeah. Yes! <laughs> yes! Yes! 
So uh, the San Diego Loyal have that, you know, kind of motivating them for the rest of this season. It's why the the promotion and relegation system in in English soccer and uh, soccer around the world is compelling. Watching Wrexham now, I'm finally catching up. I'm almost done with season one. And they've just gotten season two underway. I have not seen any of that. I know the reviews are very high. Is it like a hard knocks style? No, I wouldn't say that. It's not. It doesn't get as much in depth into the team behind the scenes. There are certainly some episodes that are more focused on some of the individual players and mm-hmm. what they're doing and talking to the coach and stuff. But it's not necessarily a soccer show. It's a show about a soccer team, but it's about the community of Wrexham, and there's a lot about the fans, you know, going and supporting, and the businesses in town, and you know, it's a lot about, of course, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhaney, and you know, they're they're learning along as we are, kind of about English soccer. They didn't know a ton about it when they bought the team, like the <laughs> whole system. You learn about the the promotion and relegation system and the different levels of English soccer. They they Wrexham like starts. So far down that they're like out of the system almost entirely. Right. And they have to win the league to get promoted into like the lowest level of actual English league soccer. I think that's League Two, and then there's League One, then there's Championship, and then there's Premier. And ultimately, the goal is, which you can't do in this Premier, country, ben, it's Premier, but you can't do in this country. If they, if they do everything well, they put together a winning team. And then they invest more and they keep building. You can work your way all the way up from like the lowest levels of basically playing almost like adult league soccer <laughs> to playing in the top professional league. So like going into the like if your team, the tier ones that you played in last night, yes, if you if you won that league and you get to move up to the next level and you kept playing well enough, you could end up in the NBA someday. And you'd be like, yeah. you know, the tier yeah. ones would be an NBA team at some point. Keep the dream alive. Now, the way it works in reality, of course, is you win one of those lower leagues, you're usually kind of in over your head in the next league because right. there's more better players, more investment into the league. But if you keep investing, you know, you're going to have to replace with better and better players as you go up and put more and more into your product. But if you do that, there is a path at least to go and rise through the ranks, which is not, doesn't exist in this country. They're talking about it maybe a little bit in college football. Say, some of that. Bring that up. We talked about yeah. that a few weeks ago, which would be interesting. But uh, you know, so I'd, I mean, I'd love to see the tier ones eventually make it to the G League and then to the NBA. At the yeah, end. You what happened to you last summer night? You were limping in here this morning. Oh my God, <laughs> I got kicked so hard in the shins by a guy that was crossing through and like did not see me and I didn't see him and I just took a shoe directly onto the shin. This wasn't shin. a Dylan Brooks moment like no. trying to make it look accidental and I don't think let's so. take out Paul Rindle early in this game with a hard kick I, to I the shin. I don't think so but it happened like 30 seconds into the game and I was did you limping cry? the rest of the game. I didn't cry. You didn't there's cry. There's no crying in basketball. See that's the thing you have you, it hurt. I mean there's nothing that hurts. Well I mean okay. There's one thing that hurts more than getting kicked in the shins, but there's there's very little that hurts more than a hard a kick to the shin. But that's a bad one, though. Yeah. Just in terms of like the instant pain My of it. My leg is black and blue right That now. is a really painful thing to happen. <laughs> oh, God. But you fun. have to act tough when you're playing sports. You just, I, the adrenaline kind of kicks in, and you don't really think about it. But you know, you're like, uh, about an hour after I take these shoes off, I'm going to be in so much pain. 
I in high school I rolled my ankle in the first quarter of a basketball game. We didn't have anybody left on the bench, so I played the entire game on a rolled ankle. And again, it's fine. You don't even think about it while you're moving. Your adrenaline just get gets you through it. By the time I drove home, it was a ten minute drive to my house. I couldn't tie I untie my shoes. It had swollen up so badly. If you're gonna want to get promoted all the way to the NBA, you're gonna need a deeper bench than that. You can't just go in expecting with five guys to you know, win the league title and get up to the next league, Paulie. Come oh, on. We need a better coach, obviously, is uh, also probably. I was off last night. I wasn't going to show up. Come on. <laughs> no chance. I'm going to be there on one of my nights off to coach your team. That would be ridiculous, Paul. So, anyway, I, I mean, I think the promotion and relegation system is is very interesting. I think it's fascinating. And, you know, when we talked about it in terms of what would that look like with collegiate sports here in America and mostly college football, is that that feels like it's the only way it would work here in America, right? We don't have a whole bunch of different leagues like they have across the world as far as all the different soccer leagues. Right. I mean, minor league baseball is actually set up very similarly, but again, it it wouldn't work from a financial standpoint. Like if the Yankees have a really bad season and are all of a sudden in the minor leagues, or you know, if the Durham Bulls win the league... They're not going to be ready for the infrastructure necessary. But the Durham Bulls are, and a, plus they're someone else's team. They're anyway. within yeah. the Rays organization. Right. Like they're not their own standalone organization right. in their that's, own standalone that's very league. True. But even if they were, you know, you'd have to upgrade your stadium so much to you know be a major league ballpark, which you need for like the TV and everything that's necessary. Soccer, it's a little simpler because of you know all soccer pitches and stadiums are somewhat. Kind of similar, at least, and they can they can make it work a little bit. But that's why I think college football is actually, and I had never thought about it, but it does make more sense. Now, you don't get kicked out of being a college anymore. It's like, oh, you can no longer get a degree at San Diego State. No, but you, We're no longer a college. You finish dead last in the Big 12, in. and all of a sudden you get relegated to the Mountain West. Yeah, um, It does feel like not only is that potentially feasible, it actually makes a lot of sense when it comes to it. Because one of the things that doesn't make sense about college football is like a school like Vanderbilt being still in the SEC and getting an equal share of all the football money that uh, really it's it's Alabama and LSU and Georgia that are earning for this conference. The TV companies, the rights holders, don't pay hundreds of millions of dollars to the SEC to show Vanderbilt games. <laughs> Now, the SEC needs other teams to play, obviously, but it doesn't specifically need Vanderbilt. So it, it provides a, a logical path for the schools that really do want to invest in their football programs. They can move up and be in a more competitive league of football and have that path to a national championship. For the ones that like football but don't want to take it quite as seriously, you can have kind of a second division where you're still competing against teams that are kind of of like of like minds and like budgets um, where you have a chance. And if you wanted really to move up and, you know, you had a great coach and good recruits for a couple of years, you could you could start moving up to the next level and see how your fans respond. And like with Wrexham, where they're now packing the stadium and now they're selling merchandise across the a globe for yeah. Wrexham. They did a tour. They came to San Diego recently. Yeah, world tour. So they're, you know, they're making a ton more money. That allows them to then invest more into their product, which helps them get better players, and move up leagues, and now you can see them, you know, progressing perhaps up the ladder to to the top, and you could do that. A college football program 
you know, let's let's take San Diego State. You know, right now they don't deserve to be an SEC or a Big 12 or even a Pac-12 team at the moment, you know, with the Pac way they've two. competed. Is there a path, though, where you could see, hey, all right, we start doing things right, you know, our recruiting gets a little bit better, we've got we've got a great stadium, we've got a great location in the country, you know, if things work out well, yeah, we could be that team. We could be um, like a, how TCU moved up and went from the Mountain West to the Big 12 to now, a, you know, a national championship contender, a team that played in the national championship game mm-hmm. last season. They weren't really any different than San Diego State 15 years ago, but they had that path through realignment to move up. But San Diego State, they can't control the realignment game, so they're there. Now, this is a way you could control kind of what you're doing moving up or down. And schools that really didn't want to invest, like like a Vanderbilt or a Rutgers in the Big Ten, that just it wasn't happening, you could scale back a little bit you know, and come back and, and not quite invest as much and play in that second division of college football. So... I think more than any other sport in America, it's college football where promotion and relegation makes the most sense and keeps fans engaged for the longest well, portion of the season. And you were just talking about how you could, depending on the direction of your franchise, like you can scale things back when needed, but it's such a risk-reward because then you're losing out on the big conference money and sure. all of that stuff and the attention. And, you know, in English like, soccer, they have they have a bit of a safety net. Like, if you're a Premier League team and you get relegated – you still get some of the Premier League money for a couple of years, and then if you can't get back up, well, then you got to readjust. And, you know, it, it works both ways. So there are some safety nets involved, and I think college football would need to – they'd need everybody on board, though. It's so um, it's so territorial, so cliquish among the conferences. Like, it, it feels like they're enemies. It, it's like the SEC is battling against the Big Ten, who is battling against the Big 12, who – defeated and vanquished the Pac-12, you know, recently, they would be so much better off if they were all working together under one giant umbrella that then kind of fairly makes it work for everybody. Right now, they're playing this game where it's so cutthroat and like, oh, well, if your conference is doing better, it means our conference is making less. It's not a great way to operate a sports league. And, you know, they've got to figure that out in college football because right now they're just clubbing each other when they don't have to. They could be working together like an NFL or another league that makes a lot more sense. So a little tangent on promotion relegation, but um, I do think it would be a great thing for college football moving forward. I agree 100%. All right, want to talk a little more baseball. We got our conference, our league championship series are set now. After yesterday's game, a couple more observations from last night, though, that I've got on the Braves and Phillies I want to get to. And then A.J. Casavell is going to be with us at the bottom of the hour. He was covering Dodgers Diamondbacks and, of course, can give us his final wrap-up of the Padres season as well. So that is uh, ahead this hour with Ben and Paul on San Diego's number 1 sports station. Let's get a check of traffic right now on 97.3 The Fan. Worried 
about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Phillies manager Rob Thompson is a giant idiot. Not something anybody is saying this morning. <laughs> Paulie can take that out of context if he wants. I will. But they, they could have been saying it if things had not worked out. The way that he used his bullpen. I loved it last night. I loved it. Welcome back. It's uh, Ben and Paul here on a Friday morning. AJ Castavell going to join us at the bottom of the hour. Talking about the National League Division Series Game 4 last night between the Braves and the Phillies. I loved it because I felt like he did what I often have wanted Bob Melvin to do with the Padres, and even in the past before Bob Melvin. He used his best pitchers in the spots when they needed to get their biggest outs at the end of the game. But he certainly left himself open to criticism if it didn't work out. It didn't work out. So here, here, if you remember, here's how the game transpired last night for the Phillies. They were uh, they were down one nothing after the home run by Riley. Mm-hmm. They still had Ranger Suarez in the game, and then Castellanos tied it in the bottom of the fourth. Suarez pitched a scoreless top of the fifth, and then they took the lead with the Trey Turner home run off Strider in the bottom of the fifth. So they're up two to one going to the top of the sixth inning. They bring in Sir Anthony Dominguez to start that inning. Now that makes perfect sense. He's one of their Kind of sixth, seventh inning guys, really good arm, but this is the situation where you kind of expect to see a Sir Anthony Dominguez come into the game. He gets the first two outs, but then gives up a single to Austin Riley. So the tying run is on, the go ahead run in the very dangerous Matt Olson is coming to the plate. Goes to his bullpen. Doesn't want Dominguez to face Olson, brings in Alvarado. Alvarado is a guy who has closed games for them in the past, but they have Kimbrel. So, all right, so Kimbrel's going to be the closer. Alvarado's coming in in a big leverage situation mm-hmm. against Olsen here. Gets him to fly out to center field to end the inning. All right, so then they go to the seventh. 
Uh, Castellanos homers, so they increase the lead to to 3-1 in the bottom of the sixth. They go to the seventh. Alvarado comes back. He only faced one batter. Still got some life left in his arm. So he starts pitching the seventh. Gets the first two outs. Then what happens? Walks Pilar. Walks Arcia. So all of a sudden, the tying runs are on base. The go-ahead run is at the plate. Who is coming up? Travis Darno already has a big home run in this series. Getting back to the top of the order as well. Acuna's on deck. Goes to his bullpen again. Who does he bring in? Brings in Craig Kimbrell, his closer now. The guy, basically the closer who is left to him in the seventh inning. Kimbrell comes in, of course. He walks Darno to load the bases. But in huge moment, Acuna hits one, kind of to the gap, kind of to the wall. Very feels like the Padres season. Does it fall? Does it get over the wall? No. Gets caught, gets run down, you know, in deep left center field. They strand the bases loaded, probably their best chance to get back into the game. But, of course, now you've, you, you, you've, you've, you've gotten Kimbrell into the game, and you still have six more outs to get if you're the Philadelphia Phillies. So, after a scoreless bottom of the seventh, top of the eighth, Kimbrell comes back out. Now, he he's not getting the last, you know, seven outs of this game. Seems very unlikely. You're getting as much as you can, but he gets the first two. He gets Albies and Riley. But then you got Olsen coming back up, and so you're going to switch it around again, and he goes to Soto, and Soto gets uh, Olsen to ground out to second. So, all right, not your highest leverage guy, but it worked out. You didn't have the tying run at the plate, so you felt like, all right, we've got at least a little wiggle room here. Played out perfectly for Rob Thompson. They don't score in the bottom of the eighth, so we go to the ninth. He brings Soto back out for the top of the ninth. What happens? Well, he walks Ozuna. And Murphy singles, and now there's runners at first and third. So now what are you left with? You go to your bullpen, and I mean, who is it? I thought maybe Orion Kirkering might come out, but you got um, Pilar coming up. You want to go to the lefty. So Matt Strom gets his big moment last night <laughs> in the ninth inning with the tying runs on base and the go-ahead run at the plate, but you are facing kind of the bottom part of that lineup instead of, the you know the big bashers for the Atlanta Braves and Matt Strom they were looming yeah Matt Strom comes through and gets the pop out the fly out and the strikeout to end the game in eight pitches and he gets to have his moment in the sun which we're really happy about but it could have worked out very differently I mean Matt Strom is not the best arm in that bullpen and if you lose in the ninth inning with someone other than your closer someone other than one of your flamethrowers coming out of the pen you're opening yourself up to a great deal of criticism for an unorthodox managerial strategy at the end of that game. But ultimately, didn't he do it right? Regardless of the outcome, yeah. Paul, didn't he do it right I as think the manager? So. I think he if, had Strom, his- if Strom gives up a couple of runs or if they lose that game, he's able to fall back on Rob Thompson's able to fall back on at least saying we had to get to the ninth inning. I think so as well. Win or lose. He would be facing a ton of criticism for using his, his closers early, but there's certainly no guarantee they would have gotten there. If they had brought in Soto and Strom earlier, it's possible that the Braves would have had the lead at that point. Mm-hmm. He used his best relievers to keep that lead when he had it. Then you, you lose by one or two, and you never get to your best arms. And he counted on, hopefully, a guy like Strom could get it done in the end. And it, it paid off for him. I think I think it's the right way to manage a bullpen. What, what, what makes sense about saving Kimbrell all the way to the ninth just to face you know Pilar, Rosario, and Grissom? As opposed to using Kimbrel against guys like 
Acuna or Olsen are, are the best hitters. You want your best reliever to face their best hitters. You don't know that the best hitters are going to come up in the ninth inning. It's not how baseball works. Sometimes the best hitters come up in the eighth or even the seventh, and there's runners on in the eighth or seventh. That's when you should have your best, highest leverage relief arm in there. And so many managers and you know baseball you know, purists who, you know, they, hey, you got to save the closer. Those are the hardest three outs to get. And I know there's something to that. There's extra pressure in the ninth inning. Trevor Hoffman always used that to his advantage and got a lot of swings that I think you might not have gotten in the seventh inning with that, with that changeup. But ultimately, I feel like this was the right strategy, and I was really happy to see the right strategy pay off for Rob Thompson. Because it's baseball. It might have blown up in his face and backfired, and everyone would be saying, Rob Thompson is an idiot. Why did he do that? But in this case, no. Played out perfectly, and the Phillies are headed to the ALCS. Yeah, ALCS. Yeah, fun moment for the game last night for Matt Strom, man. He's he's a Tier 1 listener. We had a good relationship with him uh, when he was here in San Diego, and I'm watching that. Dude, you got runners on first and third. Was it a full count? He didn't get so. full count. He might, did he? He, did he? he? he only threw eight pitches, so he didn't get a lot of deep counts. I can. Uh, and he got the MVP on deck, and you're like, "Oh my god! Oh my it god!" It was oh god. Uh, strike ball, strike foul, strike. So it was one and two, one and two at the end. But man, that's such an awesome moment for him and, and for that team. And we talked to John Marks in the first hour of our show this morning. Like Philly's just on top of the world. The the home field advantage they've created there at Citizens Bank Park. It's it's unlike anything we've seen in a long time. And it's I find myself I find it hard to not root for the Phillies. It feels it feels a little bit like last year. The Phillies seemed like a team of destiny. Even like. Even can, though the Padres beat the Dodgers, it felt like the Phillies were the team of destiny last year. It kind of feels the same way. The Diamondbacks beat the Dodgers, but it's the Phillies who I don't once again root for the Diamondbacks. Yeah, I don't uh, want to root for the Astros. Um, I can see everybody getting on board with pulling for the Rangers and, and Bruce Bochy, but this Phillies team is so fun, man. They yeah, are I, so I think watch. in this series, I, I definitely prefer the Phillies to win over the Diamondbacks. Not that, not that it really does matter, but. You know, they're, the Diamondbacks are an up-and-coming team. Just to add to their confidence level by them getting to a World Series at this point, not something I necessarily want to deal with already in the NL West. You're dealing with the Dodgers. You're dealing with the Giants. Now you're dealing with a, a young and confident. I mean, they're going to be confident either way, just getting this far. But, yeah, we can uh, we can stop that ride at this point. All right, we are at the bottom of the hour. A.J. Cassaville covered that Diamondbacks team in that last series in the upset of the Dodgers. Also covered the Padres all season long. He's going to join us coming up next on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. For your small business, if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. 
So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Welcome back. It is Ben and Paul here on a Friday getting ready to talk to AJ Casavell from MLB.com. He's covering the uh, Diamondbacks Dodgers series and, of course, all season long on the Padres beat. First, this hour on Ben and Woods is brought to you by U.S. Bank. Explore flexible, safe, and smart solutions at USBank.com. I wonder if AJ knows where AJ Preller is right now because I do. I found out yesterday. I'll test him. Oh, see, really? See what he's heard I'll, through the grapevine. My sources have located one general manager of the San Diego Padres, globetrotting again. Uh, we'll get to AJ right after this check of traffic on 97.3 The Fan. All right, let's go out to our uh, premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. And joining us right now, very kind of him as well, because he has finally reached his offseason. Even though the bad even texting Even me. though the Padres were eliminated, MLB.com made him work a few more days covering Diamondbacks Dodgers. We got AJ Casavell with us. It is now officially over for you uh for the for the season, AJ. Yeah, this is my first off-season morning and there's nowhere else I'd rather Of fun. course, and now you're just talking about baseball on the radio again. Well, uh I just mentioned it before Paulie got you on the phone line. Little little test cuz I got little moles. And uh, I found out where in the world is A.J. Preller right now off on another one of his scouting missions. Have you heard anything? I have not. I've been kind of preoccupied with this Diamondbacks Dodgers yep. series. I heard he's in so, Japan so, so, so right now. Okay, I had heard he was in, in Japan a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, okay. Like he's there again. Recently, I don't know who he's looking at. I mean, they, there was that story about that high school kid who's going to go instead of to the NPR, he's going to go to college, but that's still a couple of years away. He's always doing scouting around the globe. You know that about A.J. Preller, right, A.J.? Yes, very much so. Uh, and he's quite good at it uh, for all his maybe perceived faults elsewhere. Uh, the, the, the player evaluation seems to be pretty solid well how did how did in your mind the the end of season the the supposed monday meeting and then the the zoom news conference with aj and then the follow-up with bob melvin uh, you know a day later over the phone uh not being there what was your impression of how that all played out like what that was necessarily being driven by was it was it peter seidler was it was it more aj and bob working things out what was your impressions on, on the end of the season I think it's a it's kind of an edict that they're going to have to yeah. figure things out together. Like I, I'm not exactly sure where that came from, but um, it's. I know there were reports of this relationship being unfixable, and I've heard the the, the same thing, the same kind of uh, I guess rift between the two. But it's it's. I mean, it shouldn't be unfixable. It's a working relationship between two people who've worked in the game for a very very long time, and both of them who heads for, for whatever you'll, you'll say about where where they're headed or, or kind of what they what they do and maybe how different they are as people they both 
really, really, really are invested in the Padres winning. And so uh, I think it's just kind of an edict from, from somewhere, from Peter on down to, to figure this out. And, and from there, the Padres, I mean, the Padres could be better off for it if they can, if they can figure out some of those differences. What do you uh, what do you think of the the suggestion that AJ addressed in that Zoom news conference of potentially hiring a general manager to serve under him as president of baseball operations? You've seen it in other organizations, uh, and and not every team, by the way. The manager and the GM see eye to eye and, and get along perfectly, but other teams have kind of made it work, and sometimes it involves a, a guy like a a GM being the go-between that kind of smooths things out and, you know, maybe it's just uh, communication skills or a, uh, an asset that that person would have. Do you think that's something that the Padres are going to be pursuing here? I think it's something they're going to pursue. I don't necessarily – that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to happen, but for all the reasons you just laid out there, it would make a ton of sense because, I mean, if A.J. Proler has a ton of strengths, uh, in his in his role as general manager, I think one place he he rubs people the wrong way is his consistent involvement in a lot of things. Uh, and so, if if you hire someone to kind of serve in, in that role as the guy who's who's maybe there more and there to bounce ideas off with with the with the coaching staff and the manager more, it could potentially fix some of that. I don't know that uh, that it's 100 necessarily going to happen. I don't know that even if it does happen that that uh, it, it, it's still going to take probably a concerted effort from uh, for, from AJ and maybe from Bob to kind of fix some of what's going on there. But I, I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't know where the Padres would look. I would guess it would probably be externally, given some of the internal uh, the, the issues that have gone on internally. But I, I I think there's a lot of merit to that possibility. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, if, if you're just promoting someone internally, you're not changing the dynamic at all. At the same time, promoting from outside or bringing in some from an outside can have its own series of challenges. you got people who have worked hard who feel passed over, and uh, you come up, you end up with a whole new set of problems sometimes as well. Yeah, and that's that, that's why they're going to have to get it right, and even if they get it right, they're going to have to – the people involved are going to have to – accept the, the kind of hierarchy and and give whoever that general manager is kind of freedom to be that go-between and, and maybe not have so much of what's going on uh, tinkered with. Talking to A.J. Casavell from MLB.com, covered the Padres all season long. A.J., of course, you've You've heard the the rumors and, and the reports about the lowering of payroll, and we don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but I think we all feel pretty confident it's it's definitely coming down next season. How dire do you feel like it is? Like, how much of a bind will A.J. Preller be in, considering the pieces he will have to replace on the pitching rotation and elsewhere, given the amount of money he may still have. And, you know, ultimately what I'm getting to is you hate to be in a situation where you feel like you're forced to trade a generational player like Juan Soto just to save his, his arbitration figure off your, off your salary cap for this year. I'm for, I don't think that's going to be the case. Yeah. They're going to be forced to trade Juan Soto. I don't, also don't think there's a set number that it has to be. Uh, I think they are just going to try to be a lot smarter about spending their money this offseason, which means maybe they don't splurge in some areas. And, and I mean, there are real downsides to that because I think maybe if Blake Snell got into free agency last offseason, you end up extending him because he's a really, really good pitcher. This offseason, I don't know that they're with, – with a lot of these mega contracts, they're 
it can be kind of stupid money that these guys have earned, absolutely, but that isn't necessarily the savviest deal for, for a long-term thing. So uh, I think the Padres are just going to have to really get it right with their free agent signings. And and on the pitching side of things, you probably feel kind of good about knowing that you have Ruben Niebla to – I mean, if you can go out there and find – two or three Seth Lugo-type guys who you can sign for, for that kind of money and fill in those rotation spots. You're, you've got a you've got a guy who can work with them and who you feel pretty confident will get the best out of them. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a – I mean, it, it, it kind of feels dire given how much they've, they've spent recently and, and some of the reports and, and where things stand in the pitching side of things right now. But I don't know that it's so dire that they're going to say, well, we have to trade Juan Soto so we can free up some money to find a number three starter. I think they'll explore the possibility of, of anything. AJ Crowley's answer kind of in the, in the, in my question about Soto during that press conference was, was telling. I think he, he said they'll keep their options open on everyone, but that's, also kind of standard for this organization. Is this the Xander Bogart signing coming back to roost a little bit? And not that AJ may not have the last laugh. If Xander has a huge year next year and leads the Padres to a World Series title, no one is going to say, oh, you overpaid for Xander Bogarts. But if you're not able to sign Blake Snell, if you're unable to extend Juan Soto, there's going to be a lot of people who are going, then, then why did you sign Xander Bogarts to such a long and expensive deal when you already had plenty of options at shortstop? Yeah, I think there's there's some truth to that. There's also some truth to the fact that they've done they've they've handed out a lot of big money deals that are that came maybe ahead of what what needed to happen. And so when they've when they're spending all this money in certain places and all of a sudden kind of their their mindset changes, it's not it's not uh, a sell off or anything like that. But it's it's maybe being smarter with the money. It, you start to look at some of those big contracts from before that change and say, well, if, if he hadn't signed this one or he hadn't done this one, then maybe there's, there's room to maneuver. Um, that being said, I, I also just think that when, when the Padres signed Xander Bogart last year, everyone knew he was, a, he was a great player. He probably didn't live up to that for maybe four of the six months this year. But you also looked at that contract and said that is probably too much money for a guy down the road that's, going to be aging into the back end of the 30s on this deal. And I think we kind of all knew at the time that, that the contract wouldn't age well. And like you said, if, if he puts it together next season, and I think the Padres are I think the Padres are going to have a pretty good core in place and a pretty good roster in place if they can make those shrewd pitching signings that, that I think are possible, then I, I, it'll, it'll be worth it on the front end just because of where they are in their window and whatnot. AJ, I know it's not an either-or question because they could they could neither be back, they could both be back, but it's a fun one to debate just because I think they their values seem to be so close. If you had to predict Michael Walker or Seth Lugo coming back, whether it's on uh, you know picking up their team option or working on a new free agent deal, which one do you think uh, would come back? Which one would you bring back? Well, I have predictions for all the pending free agents coming up in my next newsletter ah. next week, so I'll, I'll plug that right now. But between those two, I would just say Waka is the most likely just based on the structure of his contract because there is an opt-in. The Padres have the chance to bring him back without letting him hit the open market. Seth Lugo's earned – I mean, he, the, he signed with the Padres essentially because they were going to give him a chance to be a starting pitcher. And – not every organization was going to do that. And he proved that he is extremely capable of handling that workload and still thriving deep into that year. 
which means now he's going to have a market of 30 teams that he's probably willing, that are probably looking for that kind of arm. And, and I, I don't, I think the Padres maybe are more likely to look for the next Seth Lugo than to look to bring back Seth Lugo for what he's earned as a pretty, uh, as, as a bigger contract than what he got this year. Um, with Waka, that one's, I, I even said it. I looked at all the 13 of the free agents. I think that's maybe the toughest one to call. And I think he's, uh, I, I just think the fact that the Padres are where they are with their starting pitching and that they have a two-year, $32 million option, that, that, that there's just a path for that to happen. We don't, we don't know as much as they know about his shoulder and the state of his health. Uh, that 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 will obviously play a factor, but he's uh, that I, in between those two, I would just think that Michael Walker would be likelier. I'm intrigued about AJ Casavell's uh, predictions, and we'll just have to click to find out in the coming days. Looking like a for segment that next week for sure. Thank um, you, AJ. All right, uh, how how did the uh, the series between the Dodgers and Diamondbacks go? It's it's weird covering a team when you cover one team all year long, and then you're kind of thrust into covering obviously two different that go for you. Any observations and thoughts you can share with us? Yeah, I uh, so I spent most of it covering the Diamondbacks. Yeah, and um, I know there's a lot of glee on Padres Twitter. The Diamondbacks are a fun team. There's a lot of glee on Padres Twitter over the Dodgers demise, and believe me, I understand that. But I, I just think there's also maybe a recognition that the Diamondbacks are going to be a problem. They're a really good young team. They've got a lot of fun young players. Corbin Carroll is a is a dude. He's on track to be a superstar, and so this division is it's. It's always probably going to run through the Dodgers going into the next season. That's the target. But the Diamondbacks are young. The Diamondbacks are good. And, and I would have them as underdogs against the Phillies and the NLCS. But I also wouldn't be shocked if if they pull off another upset just because of kind of where they're lined up with their pitching. They're both on it's – a, it's a fun and pretty hungry team. And, and, again, believe me, I understand the enjoyment from Padres fans that the Dodgers losing. But I think it should maybe also come with a tinge of worry at where the Diamondbacks are headed. Do you think obviously they've had some ballpark issues? I know they're they're looking to replace Chase Field already, and that leads to maybe more budgetary constraints. Do you do you see them maybe being a player for some big names in the offseason? I mean, I don't know if they're in the Otani sweepstakes, but having this season a little earlier than expected could make them go out and spend a little more money, which would, as you say, even make them more of a problem. Yeah, I can see them as a player for some guys. Maybe not the biggest names, but the next tier of free agent, just because they have some of their best players locked up on pretty team-friendly deals. Like the Corbin Carroll contract, when he signed it in in March, it was kind of like, okay, that's a, that's a lot of money for a guy who's had a hundred at bat, and now it's like one of the best bargains in baseball. And they have a few of those types of things where they have some pretty good players tied down to reasonable deals. And so uh, I, I think with that kind of surplus and the fact that. I mean, it's the first time in my life. I've been to Chase Field dozens of times. It's the first time in my life I've seen that place sold out and rocking. And if the Diamondbacks kind of want to build on that momentum, maybe that's what you do. You go out and get a get a pitcher, or you go out and get some some level of free agent that'll excite the fan base. I was, you know, I was thinking about that AJ watching some of the games in that series. Every time I watch the Diamondbacks on TV, it's almost exclusively when the Padres are playing them, and. It's usually during the summer, and look, I get it. When it's 120 degrees outside, I don't want to leave the house either. I I never really see that stadium full, and I know it was for the playoffs, but I was curious. I was like, what was the energy like? Because the Diamondbacks still, it feels like they just kind of came out of nowhere this year. Yeah, it was it was really really cool, and it wasn't obviously it wasn't Petco levels of NLDS last year, but it was 
still packed. The other, the other time that you talk to people about what's going on at Chase Field, it's sold out as the World Baseball Classic Games, but I've never been to any of those because I've been busy covering Padres spring training in Peoria. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten out there for those. So being next stadium full and, like, when they hit those three or those four home runs in the third inning in game three, legitimately kind of rocking and that playoff baseball feel, I have, I've never seen anything even close to that at Chase Field because, yeah, like you said, when, when the Padres are there, it's probably at least 40% Padres fans most of the time. So it was uh, – I mean, it's always it's always really cool to see. I love to see a, a, a market embracing its baseball team wherever that is because it's just the coolest sport in the world. And so um, happy for those fans. I mean, I think Padres fans can relate what it's like to, to beat the Dodgers after having been beat down by the Dodgers for a decade. And uh, looking forward to the NLCF. Before you go, AJ, uh, do you know, will you be at the next Padres – game regular season game in korea against the dodgers is there a plan in place there's there's not a plan yet but i believe i will be interesting all right that's gonna be a that's gonna be a weird start to the year we were just talking about how bob melvin needs a regular spring training that doesn't have a lockout that the you know the Padres <laughs> dealt, dealt with a pandemic and a world baseball classic now they're going to be dealing with a, a trip to korea in spring training God this forbid, next year we just get a regular just like a regular normal spring training aj in peoria oh. one of these years I'm fine with a not regular spring training because you know what? Regular I, spring training is kind of boring. Regular spring training stinks. You know, <laughs> it doesn't need to be six weeks long. It's the, the shorter spring training that gets us to the season faster. I'm a, I'm a I actually, fan. Of I, I do think this one, even though they're going to Korea, they'll all be together for the entire time. They'll be together for Korea. They'll be coming back. It'll actually be more normal than some of the other ones, but with a little more intrigue, obviously, uh, for everyone to you and, and everyone else to kind of cover and follow for uh, for February and March. So we're looking forward to it, AJ. We'll talk to you, if not before then, certainly then, and thank you for your time this morning. Yeah, thanks, guys. There he is, AJ Cassavel, MLB.com, Padres beat writer on our Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad fan hotline. Save money the right way with Premier Chevrolet of Carlsbad. Visit them today in the Carlsbad Auto Mall. Chevrolet, find new roads. We've known for We've known for probably a few weeks that the Padres' next game would be that game in Korea. The Dodgers are still coming to grips with the fact that their next game is now that game in Korea. They did not think there was any way that they wouldn't at least be playing four games into the division series this year. <laughs> that their se- their season would be over after three division series games against the Diamondbacks. Might as well have just packed for Cancun as soon as I mean, the season was over. It, it, it's as nothing of an mm. impact on a postseason as a 100-win team can possibly have is to lose two at home, one on the road, and that's it. You're done for the year. Tough scene. Pretty stunning, actually. All right, we got one hour to go. We'll come back with a Rindle report. Deion Sanders, not a fan of Pac-12 after dark, <laughs> apparently. I was surprised by that. Paulie will get to that story. And more coming up next on San Diego's number one sports station, 97.3 The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. 
Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.